welcome to the Whiskey Sisters podcast. I am Inga Larissa. And I am Jennifer Rose. Join our weekly adventures as we rock the whiskey world. We will be bringing you whiskey-related news and gossip, discussing latest bottle releases, and of course, tasting our way through delicious drams. We'll be hosting expert guests, hitting the road to visit some Scottish distilleries, and let's not forget dropping in some cheeky whiskey facts. You're listening to Whiskey Sisters, the podcast. How lovely is it that we've been getting some messages, some feedback from people that have been listening to our podcast from all over the world? It's amazing. It's amazing. It's always lovely to hear that people are actually listening and it's just not... It's just not us talking to ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Although that's fun as well, but you know, it's good that people are listening and we love all the feedback and all the chat, all the whiskey chats on social media. It's good. Yeah. And some people like trying the same drams alongside us and letting us know how they find them, like from Australia, America. I'm loving it. We're making, we're making global whiskey pals, Inca. I know. <laughs> Even more reason to travel. Definitely. So keep listening and like tell all your pals. It's great. A big dram squad. In this week's episode, we will be talking about the magnificent story of two neighbouring distilleries, Lafroic and Lagavulin. But first, let's see what's been happening in the whiskey world recently. Stick your nose in it. Do you remember when we recently talked about the giant 32-year-old Macallan bottle, Intrepid? Uh-huh. Yeah. I remembered how to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was going under the auction hammer. So it has now been sold at £1.1 million. Oh my goodness, no way. Yeah, that giant bottle that I was concerned about how to open it and, yeah. and get a drink. £1.1 1. 1 McAllen is just consistently knocking these crazy sales out the park, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Crazy stuff. Also, the Glenlivet has launched its Break the Stereotype campaign to promote diversity and representation in whiskey. So this is a campaign, it's a first in a series that will see the brand challenge preconceptions that whiskey is enjoyed exclusively by middle-aged white men. So it's going to be tackling that head on. And to challenge this cultural norm, the Glenlivet is infiltrating search engine algorithms and cunningly planting images to change the visual landscape. So now when searching whiskey drinker um, using Google Images search function, consumers will be greeted with a montage of imagery depicting the diverse demographic of whiskey drinkers. What do you think of that? I think it's a pretty good idea. Like, I'm wondering why no one's done that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, because it is, it does feel quite outdated now, that sort of, you know, white middle-aged man. But I guess maybe still that does exist in, in many areas of the world. Um, you know, that, that stereotypes. Yeah. Yeah, I guess if you think of social media, it's definitely much more diverse and you don't really see stuffy, you know, old school images of whiskey. But I can see with the search engine and stuff, obviously the yes. old stuff is still there, so it, it makes sense. But yeah. I'm sure you need much more than just pictures. Yeah, uh -huh. more more to infiltrate and to, and to break those stereotypes in a kind of wider scale. Yeah. And to continue to promote diversity in whiskey, the Glenlivet has partnered with Equal Measures to deliver greater equality for ethnic minorities and marginalised groups in hospitality. So I hadn't heard of Equal Measures before, had you? No, I have not. But it sounds good. It yes. sounds all very positive. A legendary bottle of Port Ellen was found under the stairs in an Edinburgh household this 
12-year-old Queen's Visit Bottling was specially created to commemorate Her Majesty the Queen of the UK. Is it the Queen of England you call her or the UK? I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm just aware we've got people listening from all over the place and like, the Queen, as if there's only like one Queen of the Universe. So this Visit Bottling was specially created to commemorate Her Majesty the Queen's visit to Isla 42 years ago and is now being auctioned for over £80,000. And not only was this bottle unique due to the special occasion, but it was also a whiskey from a distillery which ceased production in 1983. So super rare and a bit special. Yeah, Port Ellen has this legendary reputation due to this kind of random bottlings that keep appearing on the market. But I think there must be very little Port Ellen left to go around these days. Yeah, so real collector's piece. Yeah, I, but I'm always really amazed by how people just find these bottles. <laughs> what, what do yeah. they do with it? Like, why is it under the stairs? Does someone just put it aside? Do you think it's like somebody's bought that? You know how some people like will hide purchases from their partner? Like they buy yeah. shoes and like, oh, they're those old shoes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like someone's like, oh, nothing to see here. We'll shove that under the stairs. I mean, <laughs> exactly. What is the story there? Do they have royal family in Finland? No. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure. <laughs> No way. Because I'm just wondering. Got precedent. If, yeah. Because I'm just thinking, you know how like the Queen of England, it's all like all over the news, like she's been in her job for like 70 years and she's like often spotted around a distillery. I'm just hypothesizing that she likes a dram and that's what the longevity <laughs> is all about. <laughs> yeah. Well, she drinks, apparently she drinks a lot of gin. So, I don't know about whiskey, but she definitely drinks a lot of gin. Yeah, so uh, all, all those botanicals keeping it alive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or maybe just having doctor around twenty four seven probably helps as well. They probably check at her up during the night if she's breathing and all that. But so anyway, also because we're talking about Lafroig, there's been a new release recently. Okay, this I always get these really difficult names. <laughs> Cadeas, maybe. Okay. Sounds so good. anyway, they just released the new Cadeas 2022 release, which has been matured in first filmmakers Mark Bourbon casks and oh. aged in Lafroig's Warehouse One, where they say that each cask have a lot of maritime character due to their exposure to the sea. So it's like really close to the, yeah. the shore. Oh, well, I'm uh, quite curious about that then. Maybe, you know, like the sweetness of Maker's Mark and those like salty coastal notes. Yeah, so what they say that the resulted liquid offers the brand's signature notes of peat smoke, uh, salt, along with hints of vanilla cake, fudge, heather honey, and golden syrup, walnuts, nutmeg on the nose. The palette provides strong peat reek, tar, and powerful ashy notes alongside manuka honey, burnt toffee, licorice, oak spices, and tannins, white pepper, dried herbs, and flowers. So a lot going on there. Yeah. Do you think, what are you keen to try that one? Yeah, I'm, I'm always keen to try new whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> like silly question. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I always thought that the Cardeas releases were shared. Yeah, I would definitely try it. I'm intrigued by Lafroy because there's so many crazy flavors and aromas. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 
Whiskey Sisters! So this is a story of Lafroic and Lagavulin. A stone's throw apart, these two distilleries have had their battles over the years, and they share a fascinating history. So Lafroic was officially founded in 1815 by the Johnson brothers, and was one of the first distilleries to be allowed to ship to the US during the Prohibition era. The owner at the time, Ian Hunter, convinced the US government that the iodine smell meant that the drink had medicinal properties, and the distribution rocketed as Lafroic started to be prescribed by doctors. <laughs> Brilliant. I know. <laughs> Even I've used it for medi- medicinal purposes from a very young age, when my mom was giving me whiskey with tea, and she believed that it cures everything, so I got taste for it at a young age. Quite right. I'm sure my gran said that when babies were teething, they would dip, you know, the dummy yeah. tea in whiskey and give to the baby. Yeah, I've heard that one before. <laughs> okay, Lagavulin, also founded by a Johnson, but not related to the brothers, opened its doors in 1816. From 1847, Lagavulin bizarrely became an agent for Lafroig by selling almost half of their production. Lagavulin used the Lafroig for blending with their own green whiskey, and therefore limited Lafroig's ability to sell their own pure malt whiskey to a wider market. Snakey, hey? Yeah. In 1907, with the help of the courts, Lafroig finally got the agreement dissolved. However, this was just the starting point for many more battles between the distilleries as their rivalry deepened. It's very weird to think that they used to sell it and use it. It's, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. So during the same year, 1907, Lagavulin's owner at the time, Peter Mackey, blocked Lafroig's water supply to disrupt the production. And you really don't need to understand the technical stuff to realise that. No water means no whiskey. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a savage move. <laughs> yeah. And yet again, they found themselves in the courts as Mackie could not get over the ending of the agent agreement. And this wasn't actually the first time Lafroig had argued over their water rights with a next door distillery. For six years, the battles were with Kildalton Distillery, also later known as Isla. Uh, which ended when one of the Johnson brothers died after falling into a vat of partially made whiskey. Oh, what yeah. way to go! Yeah, one can only imagine how that happened. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, funnily enough, the guy who died was related to my sister-in-law. How cool is that? Yeah. <gasps> That's a, that's a good ancestry story, isn't it? <laughs> For sure. After the second court case ended in 1908, Mackie built Malt Mill and occupied Lafroig's stills with the aim of duplicating the product. So trying to force Lafroig to close their production. He really did not like them. <laughs> However, even today, it is impossible to copy their product due to the combination of the unique waters, their own peat fields and the original floor malting. Makes me think about, you know, the importance of all these different elements, mm. you know, everywhere. It's just impossible to, to duplicate, which makes whiskey all the more magical, doesn't it? Exactly. Since the very first court case, Maggie had tried to take over Lafroig's land several times, but failed on each occasion. Even though the malt mill wasn't a complete success, their production continued until 1960 and initially caused a lot of damage to Lafroig. It took years for Lafroig's production to pick up, and it wasn't until Ian Hunter a member of the Johnson family, took over the distillery in 1921 that production finally began to recover and the distillery became an international success. 
And until 1954, uh, Lafroix stayed in the Johnson family as Hunter did not have any family of his own and he didn't trust the secrets of the distillery with anyone else. It was a bit of a shock nonetheless when he passed over the ownership to his secretary Bessie and no money was exchanged at all. So, you know, who knows what kind of relationship they had. Maybe they shared more than the production secrets. <laughs> she worked her, her, her charms on him. Yeah, yeah she, ha- she um, actually came to Lafroig one summer just to help out as an office administrator and ended up staying for 40 years. Amazing. I guess you would stay if you could become an <laughs> owner of a distillery. <laughs> totally. And we spoke a bit about Bessie in one of our early episodes, didn't we? Yes. Talking about you know the history of women in whiskey. Bessie was pretty badass. And with Bessie in charge of the distillery, its fame and sales continued to grow until finally she felt it was time to get some international support to increase sales worldwide. In the 1960s, she sold the distillery to Long John International. How cool is that? Like Long John's, the the undergarments. Making Lefroig the fastest selling single malt in the world. How cool is that? Mm. What a legacy. The distillery is now owned by the Japanese company Beam Suntory. Mm. I actually bottled my own Lafroix straight from the cask. No way! Mm, when I was there quite quite many years ago now. Um, and I became a friend of Lafroig and a lucky owner of one square foot of land <laughs> on Isla. <laughs> I put my little Venice flag on it. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, this. Over 200,000 members, it might be even higher than that, actually, yeah. um, from 50 countries. And uh, when you become the friend of Lafroig, then you, they, you know, they send you all the latest news and you get different offers and first dips in the bottles and stuff. I really must kind of make that cohesive sense of community, belonging to kind of something and being part of something, which is so special. And I'm guessing particularly with so many whiskey kind of enthusiasts, aficionados all over the world that will maybe never get the chance to go there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so I did also visit Lagavulin as well at the time when I went to Lafroig. Mm-hmm. And Lafroig was, the girl was really good and it was like really, really good tour. Mm-hmm. But then I felt Lagavulin just lacked a little bit of personality. Oh. Yeah, it was just a bit, I don't know over rehearsed or too many rules and mm. don't take any pictures and oh yeah. I, I hate when that's the case because you want to just you you're excited to be at a distillery aren't you and you want to yeah. absorb as much as you can do you know it's such a great story of rivalry isn't it I'm surprised it's not been made into a big epic movie I know it would be a really good one wouldn't such it? a good movie unleash the peat so Inca as you know I've not been to Isla yet which is a disgrace however you have been so I want to hear a little bit more about it like what what did you get up to when you were there well last summer oh, I have to admit last summer I didn't go to Puna which now I regret <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have enough time it was really quick but I did do this three distillery cycle thing oh nice uh, so basically just hired bikes from this dude from his back garden it was a bit funny <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah so we just cycled we went through Lacavulin, Lafroig and Ardbeck they quite cl- all quite close to each other 
So like, we just get cycling and visiting different beaches and stuff because it's quite flat and oh nice. Mm. So like, is that like done in a day or is that like over different days? Oh no, you can do that in a day. Like it's if you're really lazy and can't be bothered cycle much, but it's a really good way just to visit the distilleries and you don't have to walk and so. But I like the idea that you could go beyond the distilleries and further away. And you know, if you have a nice day, you can go to the beach and definitely. So, it was and, really nice. And how proficient was your cycling after the third d- distillery? Was it a well, bit shaky? Last year was a bit funny because obviously a lot of the distilleries didn't do proper tours because of all the COVID oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, so, of course. So I didn't go inside of La Gavulin, but I went to Lafroic just to visit the taste of the visitor center because you couldn't do the tours either. And then I did quite a big tasting at Ardberg, but... I had some food there as well, so I managed. <laughs> but I, you kept it I together. I may have tried six or more drums. <laughs> yeah, I'm just picturing uh, us making a trip to Isla and being on a little tandem bike, bike for two. Yeah. Oh my god, it's good fun though. Like lots of people do a lot of cycling on Isla and visit different distillers because it's so flat so it's easy and obviously you don't have that much traffic and it's quite nice and you feel like you earned the dram as well exactly that's it keeping it all in balance balance that's a quite funny one <laughs> when you're on a bike after a dram <laughs> dram on fire so today we have sampled Lafroig's QA cask, which is initially matured in ex-bourbon barrels before it is finished in charred American white oak casks. And the name comes from the Latin phrase, okay, I'm going to give it my best shot, Quercus Alba. I think that's good. Yeah? Yeah, uh, I think that sounds good. <laughs> it means white oak. And this one is bottled at 40% ABV. How do you feel about this one? I thought um, it was a nice colour, a nice golden colour. On the aromas, uh, on the nose, I kind of got the sweet bourbon notes, but I can't, it was kind of mixed. And I've got my tasting notes say smoked kippers. Oh, my God. Yeah, I wrote salted mackerel. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Check out our fishy rapport on the nose. <laughs> yeah, it's very fishy, <laughs> but like not in a disgusting way. Exactly. Not like gross fishy, but definite fishy. Yeah, <laughs> definite fish. <laughs> I would say the colour is kind of light honey oh, colour. okay, nice. Like maybe a little bit lighter than just the classic gold. Yeah, it's salty, but at the same time, it's sweet on the nose. Yeah. And there's something fruity almost, or something almost citrusy. A kind of lightness to the sweetness. Yeah, I was thinking something like maybe candied lemon or... Oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm imagining that fish with little slices of lemon on top of it. <laughs> oh, that's that's a cool description. No, that's good. What about on the palate for this, Anka? What have you got? Well, I found the texture very light and mm-hmm. almost watery. Yeah. This little bit of spice, like white pepper. And also it really made me think of kind of fishy beach you know, like sometimes when you walk on a beach and there's oh, some... like a kind, kind of, of fresh, fishy, beachy smell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, so you have that saltiness of the sea breeze, but then, yeah, yeah there's something fishy going on. <laughs> well, that is that's so interesting because I've got fishy, a kind of salted, briny, 
Yeah, briny, good word, good word. And I've got charred fish cooked on a barbecue that's maybe had marshmallows on it before, which is <laughs> kind of weird. But that it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> like the barbecued fishness I was getting, like that charredness, but like sweetness as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, definitely. On the finish, I, I did think there was a little bit of vanilla, so I can see that maybe it's more like marshmallows, you know, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. sweetness for sure. But the finish is quite short. Uh, I think I think I jotted down a kind of medium finish for me, a woodiness and a little bit cigar-like. Oh, yeah, definitely. Maybe those little cigars that has kind of sweeter cigars, you yeah. know what I mean? Those lady cigars. Yeah, we love a lady <laughs> cigar. <laughs> yeah, it was in... But it's, this is also a non-age statement, so we don't know the, of the age, but um, actually I was positively surprised. I liked it more than I thought I would, and I found it like really interesting combination of aromas and flavours, like as if it was like really surprising my senses. Yeah, definitely, because I think there's such a clear fishiness with <laughs> also the, with the yummy sweetness. It is really strange. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> How did you find the smoke? I didn't find it overpoweringly smoky. No, it wasn't that kind of medicinal that you would think from Lafroig. No, no, not at all. And I like I it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be racing to the bar for a dram of it just because it's not my personal favorite type of whiskey mm. but I did enjoy it more than I thought I would for sure mm. oh yeah I would agree so do you remember when Lafroig did this campaign hashtag opinions welcome oh no I don't so what what was that about well it's just got me thinking because we were just talking about that QA cask and how it was fishy and weird but we kind of <laughs> we didn't hate it like, it sounds disgusting, but it was actually quite nice. So the point of the campaign was just to get people trying different Lafroics and just, you know, saying what they think about it, like with open ah. mind or like, you know, honestly. Oh, God, this is disgusting. There's loads of really funny ones. Oh, and that's they, cool. Just welcoming what, you know, because it is going to be one that definitely splits opinion, right? Yeah, exactly. And so they, they weren't afraid for all the, you know, bad feedback. But <laughs> it was quite fun, I think. And they did little videos where father and son tried it or daughter and father for Father's Day and things like that. Or two friends trying Lafroic. Oh, some, nice. Some people for the first time, others not. It's just I'm whatever flavors and aromas comes to mind and they were saying. I'm going to check that out. I bet there was a few amusing descriptions. Yeah, <laughs> loads. But yeah, it was good fun. If our listeners have any opinions on Lafroig and the flavour profiles, hit us up with some messages. Yeah, definitely. Whether um, whether you're a big fan or not, we want to know. Yeah. Also, we've been talking a lot about Lafroig. I don't know why, but I haven't been drinking that much Lagavulin, have you? Do you know, I've, like, confession, I've never tried a Lagavulin. What? That's the, that's mad, isn't it? They have some really good 16-year-olds. I really like, even the first time when I went to Isla mm -hmm. and did the, all the distillery tours and Lafroig and Lagavulin, like I mentioned earlier, I preferred Lagavulin at the time. Oh, did you? Yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't quite as medicinal, I don't know. Mm -hmm. There was mm -hmm. something about the 16-year-old. I haven't tried it for so long. I think I need to go back and just not, yeah. not necessarily go back to the distillery, but like go back to the whiskey and just resample yeah. it. Yeah, definitely. I was thinking that whilst you know trying the Lafroig, that you know I just thought, have I tried any Lagavulin? And I I haven't. And I don't. You know, it's not 
there, it's been overshadowed in my mind by Laphroaig, but I'm just wondering why I haven't tried it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I do feel like there's much more marketing and Laphroaig is much more visible on social media. Yeah. And I don't know. Maybe got, maybe got more of a bolder presence. Yeah, definitely. They are for sure with all that kind of campaigns and so mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. So PT but less medicinal was your thoughts on the Lagavulinka? Yeah, well, obviously, like some of them are still quite medicinal as well. But I think I just the sixteen-year-old always stuck to my mind. Next time we're having drams together, let's you know put that on our long list for the bar. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about Isla whiskies recently. Yeah, and I was thinking season one has actually had a lot of island features, you know, because Aaron and Mull and there's some more island feature, you know, featuring soon, which is pretty cool. Me, Well, I think I'm biased because I grew (laughs) up on an island. (laughs) Whiskey Sisters, Whiskey Fact. So today's Whiskey Fact is about a blended scotch, Cutty Sark. Have you heard of this one? Have you tried it? No, I've not tried it. Cutty Sark was created by London wine merchant Barry Brose and Rudd as a lighter blend to appeal to American consumers during Prohibition. Okay. But distinctive yellow label was actually printer's error, but then oh. they just decided to keep it. Oh, that's mad. So they'd made an error for the label. Yeah, but it's now proper like signature almost. Yeah. And also, um, Cutty Sark had a huge fan base in the US then eventually. And once the prohibition ended, they became the first Scotch whiskey to sell a million cases in the United States of America in 1961. No way. So quite a history then. That makes me want to, to try it to see, you know, why it had that impact. Yeah, exactly. And it's still very popular, especially in the US. Yeah. I was thinking that, I don't know, maybe it's about the label, the bright yellow and stuff. Or it's putting me off a little bit. Ah. And maybe just because it's also because it's blend and I just, you know, yeah, we you've been before, we're just not really. You've been more drawn to the single malts, yeah. Yeah, but I, now I'm thinking maybe should yeah. just give it a go. Dram curious. Mm-hmm. You've been listening to the Whiskey Sisters podcast. Next week, we will be talking about whiskey and memories. And we will also have another guest appearance, this time not from the whiskey industry, but from the world of perfumes. Ooh. <laughs> Holly from Memoirs will guide us through some special aromas. So this will be such a fun episode. I'm so looking forward to this. And we would love to hear all about the different flavours and aromas and whiskey that take you down memory lane. Contact us on our Instagram um, at whiskeysisters.podcast, Twitter at Whiskey Sisters and Facebook at Whiskey Sisters Podcast. Have a nice evening. You too, Anka. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>